beautiful people, and welcome to Food, Farming, and Fitness, the podcast. I am your host, Ashley Peckroll. This is a podcast where we talk all things agriculture and wellness. The saying, food doesn't come from a grocery store, is quite literally true, and I hope that this podcast, you learn where it actually does come from and how food and fitness affect our everyday lives, performance, and well-being. Thank you so much for being here. Let's dive right on in. back to a, another episode of Food, Farming, and Fitness, the podcast. Today we have Dr. Alexandru Pop, who is a large animal veterinarian. I'm so excited for him to be here, and we're going to talk about antibiotics with y'all. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Excited to chat. Yeah, do you want to just introduce kind of yourself, where you went to school, your background, kind of what interested you in vet med to begin with? Yeah, so um, I did my undergrad at NC State, and I stayed there for um, for vet school as well. Um, I guess my background a little bit, um, I've always, I kind of grew up not on a farm, but my, um, my grandparents on both sides of my families both had farms, and we would always spend the summers with them, and I guess somewhere in my growing up childhood, my brain decided to associate fun vacation with working on a farm. And from there, it just turned into, I really love the challenge of medicine. So medicine plus farming brought me here. And now I get to do that every day. Yeah, I love that. And then for those of you who aren't familiar with what large animal means, that's essentially just like your, what you would think of as for your farm animals. So your cattle, your sheep, your horses, your goats your pigs, all that, all that fun stuff. <laughs> Chickens, turkeys, and bees. Yeah, there we go. I was like, I know I'm leaving out some animals. You'll fill me in. <laughs> um, so, and just a little background on how I know Dr. Pop is we actually were in the same, we went to the same program through NC State. So we had a lot of the same classes. Um, and so it's been super fun watching his career grow. And I knew I just had to have him on the podcast. So going to what we're talking about today are antibiotics. So I have a lot of clients and just a lot of followers that constantly ask me about antibiotics if they should be concerned about them being in their meat, in their food. What exactly are antibiotics? A lot of people don't know. Are they the same thing as what we give humans? Um, so if you would shed a little bit of light onto it and just at the most basic level, kind of start by telling us what are antibiotics and why are they used? Yeah, so um, to answer one of your questions, are a lot of them are the same ones that we use for humans. Um, basically what an antibiotic does is it acts on a bacteria. So that's one of the big misconceptions is whenever somebody is sick at all, um, the go-to is to use an antibiotic to help combat that disease. Um, so antibiotics work against bacteria. They don't work against the viruses. Um, there are certain antibiotics that work against parasites as well, but for the most part, we're combating bacterial disease with antibiotics. Uh, the two questions I had, and you can choose how you want to answer them, is I have explained withdrawal periods. So my biggest thing that I answer just at the most basic level is that your food never has, um, you're never really ingesting antibiotics because animals have to go through a withdrawal period, um, which people don't really understand. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on was when something says no antibiotics ever, as opposed to antibiotic free, as far as the labeling goes, like what's the difference there? And what's the repercussions of something never having any antibiotics given to it whatsoever? Sure. Okay, so we will start with withdrawal periods. So you explained it pretty well. 
basically a withdrawal period is the time that the animal needs to be withdrawn from it possibly going to um, enter the food chain for X period of time after it's had an antibiotic administration. Every single antibiotic has a different withdrawal period. Like there are some that have a 24 hour withdrawal period. Some have a, um, like a 13, a vast majority of them have somewhere within a 30 day range, more or less. Um, there are a few antibiotics that if used in food producing animals have a withdrawal period of 18 months. Um, so anywhere between there, you can kind of choose. Um, as a veterinarian, it's our duty if we're treating a food producing animal to disclose that information to the owner, regardless of whether or not. So one of the most awkward conversations I have to have is with people that have pet goats that like they are part of the family pet goats. And at the end of that appointment, I have to go, now I know that you're never gonna eat Fifi, <laughs> but I have to tell you that the withdrawal period for this antibiotic is. So we sort of, use our our best judgment as far as which types of antibiotics how we administer them and you know disclosing that information to the um to the producers or the owners afterwards just to make sure that they know and that we put in the medical record that they received this antibiotic on this day and if they go to um to enter the food chain anywhere before that you know there has to be some sort of kickback or responsibility because it's someone's fault if that happens now, when an animal is given antibiotics, are they separated from the rest of like the herd or rest of the animals, or do they get to stay with um, all the healthy ones? I'm assuming they don't, but. So it depends on, uh, on the production stage and I guess the, um, the setup of the, of the farm that they're at. So here where I practice in North Carolina, they, um, a majority of our, let's use cattle, for example, a majority of our cattle producers are what's called cow-calf operations. So the beginning of the stage of growing the calves to, to be sent off further down the line. Um, in, in those situations, typically no. If an animal is sick, it won't be, uh, it, it seldom is separated from the rest of the herd unless it needs to be. And, um, versus if it's in a different production stage, let's say like a stalker operation or a feedlot operation, a lot of times they'll have what they call sick pens or hospital pens. So the animals that are sick and need to be monitored are all put together um, so that they can be watched a little bit more closely and you know have retreatments administered uh, a lot quicker if they need them. When your food, when you go to the grocery store and you're looking at a package of chicken and it says no antibiotics ever, what's the difference between the package that says no antibiotics ever and no antibiotics? So this can be a tricky marketing um, ploy and these companies hire very, very smart people to make their packages because they can take what the law says that says you need to disclose whether or not there are antibiotics and then they can work within the guidelines of what words they can use to say no antibiotics ever is assuming that that animal has never ever had an antibiotic administered. 
something that I'm not sure about, um, but there may be different guidelines to say oral antibiotics versus injectable antibiotics. Um, so the FDA might have guidelines to say they only consider oral antibiotics to be antibiotics and you know, vice versa, species dependent, production stage dependent. Um, so you can really play around with those words a lot. If something says antibiotic free, that company has essentially wasted ink by printing that <laughs> on the package because when something goes to the packer, um, a lot of these, so all of these animals are assumed to be antibiotic free by the time that they get there. And, um, you know, a lot of the animals are tested. I being at the front end of the production process don't have as much, uh, as much experience firsthand to see how, you know, how often every single animal is tested. Do they test every single one? Do they test every fifth one? Um, but in order to not break the law, people that are providing these animals at the packing plants are responsible for making sure that the carcasses do not have um, antibiotic concentrations higher than what the minimums are set when they go in. I will play the devil's advocate because, you know, all things have low concentrations, just like, you know, everything in your house is covered in a thin film of microscopic poop. Yeah. They <laughs> proved that on Mythbusters, but they also proved that it's, it doesn't matter, you know, like it's everywhere. So same thing goes with antibiotics. There is a minimum concentration of, you know, um, a particle per per billion particles or however they decided to denote it that it has to be under that in order for the animal to be considered safe to go into the human food production so essentially what you're saying is all the food that you see is always going to be safe for consumption yes it is the vast um it is a very 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 small minority if, uh, if an animal enters the food chain having been missed at, there had to be failure at several steps for an animal to enter the food chain to have antibiotic concentrations higher than what is deemed minimally safe. And then similar to, because I try to make this comparison, is when you have like a sick child or when you're sick, it's very common to fight that bacteria that you have with antibiotics. So there really isn't too much of a difference between an animal getting sick and you treating it with antibiotics and you as a physical human getting sick and treating it with antibiotics. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think where a lot of the differences come there are, um, are in the fact that animal disease is often diagnosed much later than human disease. Like when a human starts to, to get that feeling like I'm sick, I have the sniffles, I have a little bit of a cough, you can take yourself and put yourself in the car and go to the doctor and get yourself treated very early versus a lot of the food producing animals, um, we'll use cattle again as an example, you know, in the wild, cattle are a prey animal 
And a prey animal, the last thing it wants to do is show that it's weak and show that it's sick. So a lot of these livestock species will have to be very, very sick before they show outward signs that they're sick and they can get started to treat. Um, so I think that's where a lot of the, uh, I think the industry gets a little bit of, um, a little bit of scrutiny over because we realized this and a lot of protocols have been made to assume when animals might get sick. Mm -hmm. and then, so try to get ahead of it. Yep, exactly. Always, yeah, it doesn't always work out that way. I found a couple of studies that might just be some fun numbers to throw out just to, just to kind of get an idea of the numbers of antibiotics because a lot of what's out there is true, but a lot of what's out there can be skewed to, um, to I wouldn't say manipulate, but to convince people of, of an opinion. So just some numbers. There was a study done back in 2013 that looked at, so it was just looking at the United States antibiotic use, and they broke it down into several categories. So like crops, um, companion pets, like dogs and cats, and um, aquaculture. So yeah. like, you know, farm-raised tilapia, things like that. Human use, and then livestock. So of those categories, which one do you think was the last on the list? Go with livestock or aquaculture. So <laughs> livestock had the most antibiotics used. Really? Is it? Yeah. Um, so in, in kilograms, I'll start going back. So crops, pets, and aquaculture combined. Oh, crops. Total... I didn't hear you say crops. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I was trying to think of what antibiotics we used for crops. I don't know anything about horticulture, but I'm assuming, you know, yeah. plants can get bacterial infections and things like that. Yeah, some way, shape, or form. Um, so 370,000 kilograms of antibiotics were used combined in crops, pets, and aquaculture. Human use came out to 3,290,000 kilograms of antibiotics. And then livestock use came out to 13,540,000 kilograms. So it's a lot. It's, it's well over 75%, you know, on a per weight basis, which sounds like a scary number. There's um, also a lot of livestock animals in the world. But then let's flip it around and see the human population currently is about 320, 330 million versus let's add up all the livestock. So 8.5 billion chickens. 285 million turkeys, 95 million cattle, 78 million pigs, 10 million horses are all considered livestock. And then we don't even consider bees, which are technically food producing animals now, goats, sheep, anything in between. So proportionally, it might, it might work out. Mm -hmm. There are just much larger numbers of livestock. So obviously, even if you use the same amount, yep, exactly. So those numbers could be skewed on a graph. You could definitely look at a graph and say, oh my goodness, look at this, like, you know, four times the antibiotics are used in livestock. And in reality, there's four times the amount of livestock here. So it makes know. sense. So not one way or another, but definitely something to consider in, um, in a lot of these studies. The other thing that I think would be useful for people to know is something called the veterinary feed directive. Um, so 
taking all of these numbers, you know, that study was from 2013. There's another study um, I've got pulled up here from 20, 2012, and it tried to break down of all of those antibiotics used in livestock, where were they being used and how were they being used? So close to 14 million pounds of antibiotics were used in feed, mm -hmm. about four and a half to five million in water, less than a million in injectable form, and then it just goes down to where you can't even tell what the, um, what the amount is. So the vast majority of antibiotics being used prior were in feed and water. So in 2017, among all of this uproar about antibiotics, antibiotic resistance, which a lot of it is true, the FDA um, enacted something called the Veterinary Feed Directive, which basically says that any antibiotics that are to be fed to animals through either feed or water were no longer to be available over the counter. So the only way to get these antibiotics into animals was via a prescription from a veterinarian. Um, there was a huge uproar in the industry about this. You know, people started stockpiling antibiotics. People were afraid that this would completely ruin agriculture. You know, they thought that they could never profitable again. They thought it was a ploy for veterinary. Everything's fine. Um, I have to do a little bit more paperwork than I usually would have, but I think this has been a great change. So of the two, about 292 medically important antibiotics that were over the counter, any producer or feed manufacturer could go and get them. 84 of them were completely taken out and not allowed to be used. Um, of the remaining 208, 93 of them that were used for, um, they were intended for mixing in the water and they were over the counter, they were changed over to a prescription status. And then the 115 that were left that were used mixing in feed were also changed to, um, to prescription status. So there are no antibiotics that are important in human medicine that you can feed to an animal without it having passed through a veterinarian's hands first, obviously legally. I mean, people yeah. can break the law, it's not gonna stop anyone from breaking the law, but. Um, so I think that this has been a huge, I'll call it a gesture from the FDA because, you know, obviously this is important. Obviously they see that there are professionals in the industry that know how to judiciously use these products mm -hmm. and they're making it so there's another step in between and, you know, Joe Schmoke that doesn't know anything about antibiotics can't go get them. Yeah. So it's essentially like you wouldn't, a parent can't just like walk into CVS and grab a bunch of different random antibiotics and throw them to their kid because they might not know what they're doing. CBS yep, exactly. Yeah. For, when someone gets sick, they go to the doctor. They don't tell the pharmacist what antibiotics they would like. And I think that really ties well into the fact that a lot of people think that we're just giving antibiotics to animals all willy nilly. And due to this change, like we're really not anymore. Like there's a, a standard process that needs to be followed. Yeah, absolutely. There's paperwork that has to be filed. Um, and it even goes past things that are to be fed. Like there are several antibiotics for any use 
that you just you can't go to the store and get anymore. I think um, I think penicillin is one of them that uh, that is still available and and pr pretty readily. I think they kind of left that as a placebo because penicillin really. I mean, there's there's a a list of things that I can count on on two hands that penicillin worked for, and then everything else you need the you need the newer generation antibiotics for. If I had to describe my job in the simplest terms possible, it's to eliminate animal suffering. So obviously an animal that's suffering is not healthy. It's not my goal to help a producer maximize profits. It's not my goal to, you know, sabotage the food chain. It's not, I feel like there are so many people that actually care about the health and nutrition of these animals. And obviously doing that on the front end is going to result in a better, more nutritious and wholesome product at the end. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of steps along that process that can be looked at as needs improvement, a lot of which I would agree with. I don't think that the uh, system that we have now is perfect. I think no. there's for improvement in a lot of places. But at the same time, the people that are doing it right are people that are utilizing you know, medical professionals like ourselves that really do care. And I think at the end of the day, it makes a difference in the product that you get at the end. Um, so I think that that's one thing that might be skewed is that it's very easy to paint an evil face on the front end of the food industry. But um, I can guarantee you that if if a lot of the people in this industry wanted to just make money by exploiting something, there are much easier ways to do it than animal agriculture. Yeah, much more profitable ways as well, if they really wanted to. Yeah. And especially too, from a just a humanizing veterinarian perspective too, like you have to know so much more about different types of anatomy than I think most people realize because every animal functions differently. Like cattle doesn't have the same internal anatomy that like a horse does or especially like a pig does. Um, so to like know those differences, you have to go through a bunch of education and all that stuff. And it, you're definitely not in it for the money, I guess is what I'm trying to say. All those years of education and heartache and tests and late night studying, you're definitely not in it to become a rich, hungry ag veterinarian. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I don't know if I, I don't even know if it would be possible to make like a drama, a dramatization docu-series about evil vets in agriculture. It might be possible, but I don't know. I think it'd be hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I 100% agree with that. Right, well, thank you, Dr. Alexandru Pop, for coming on and talking with us today. I'd love for you to just plug all of your social medias. I know you're super active. Um, on the TikTok, you have a lot of fans on the TikTok, um, as well as just sharing information on your Instagram and all of that. So if you just want to plug all of those things, I'll make sure to tag them in the show notes so people can go and follow you if they want to. Yeah, so um, I'm most active on um, probably Instagram and TikTok. Um, all of my social medias are the same. It's at Alexandru Poppy, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-U-P-O-P-P-Y. Woo! So exciting. Yeah, definitely y'all need to go watch his TikToks because they are A plus little snippets of humor and education. <laughs> <It's insane. laughs>
Alrighty. Well, thank you so much again for coming on and chatting with us. And if you guys loved the episode, make sure to screenshot it, tag myself and Dr. Alexandru Pop so we can share and make sure that you're showing you the same love that you're showing us. But thank you guys so much. And I will talk to you in the next episode.